Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Tonight, I would like to ask for a volunteer. I could tell many more stories, but I have something on my heart I want to share with you tonight. But I need a special type of volunteer. I need a man who is strong. All right? I need somebody who's who's got some grit. All right? I need somebody who's got some, who can do push-ups, who can lift weights, who can work, and who is not a wimp. So can I get a man who can help me for the whole message? <laughs> otherwise, otherwise the preacher is going to volunteer somebody. <laughs> can I get somebody to help me? Okay. Well, just for a moment, just sit right here. And when I need you, I'll let you know. Right. Thank you, brother. So. No, no, you don't got to do no push-ups. You don't got to do no push-ups. But I, I couldn't ask a lady to come up here and do this. So, but but um, if you'll pray with me, I would like to share something with you from the Bible. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you open up our hearts tonight by the Holy Ghost? And would you bring us together in the unity of your spirit? And would you help us, God? I am nothing. And we need the power of the God of heaven to work in our souls tonight. As the songwriter said, and it is so true, all is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. Work in our souls. Speak through us. God, help us. And I don't know what people are going through tonight, but you do. Glorify yourself. Work in every life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Joshua chapter 13. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take verse number one to start, and then we're going to go to another, another passage of Scripture. Joshua chapter 13, verse number one. Now Joshua was old and stricken in years, and the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years. And there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. I am captivated with these last words. There remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. Now, there's a whole bunch of story before this. And it started in Genesis 1-1. But I'm going to pick up with a man of God named Moses, and I'm going to come to this verse. God called a man named Moses to lead his people Israel out of Egypt. God was with Moses. Moses was a powerful, powerful man of God. For example, there was a time when the sons of Korah came against Moses, the man of God. And Moses said, all right, we're going to find out who God has chosen. And they prayed, and the earth opened up 
and the sons of Korah fell alive into hell. All right, this was God's being. God gave Moses something. We're going to, this, this isn't the one God gave Moses, but <laughs> I got this one in Tennessee. But, um, but God gave Moses a rod. And that rod was a representation of the power of God. There was a time that that man of God, Moses, held that rod out over the Red Sea. And what happened? The waters parted. But not only did the waters part, the water got sucked out of the mud and they walked on dry land. A representation of the power of God. And Israel in the Bible was a stiff-necked people. They continuously, continuously rebelled against Moses. But Moses was commanded by God to lead them. They were headed to the promised land. And God told Moses, hey, send some spies up into the promised land so that they can get a report and bring it back. And they sent the 12 spies. And they came back. And you know, outside of Joshua and Caleb, you know what those men did? They sowed doubt and fear in the hearts and minds of God's people. Now, you think about this with me. They came back and said, oh, the giants will kill us. But they just watched the man of God hold out a stick and the waters parted. They've seen mighty acts of God where waters turn to blood, where the firstborn of everybody in, in the country died if they didn't have the blood over the doorpost. But this evil report sowed doubt and fear. And so you know what God said? Okay, none of y'all will go in. Nobody's going until this generation is dead. So they stayed in the wilderness for 40 years because of their unbelief. You remember the Bible verse? And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Do you remember that? And then we find Moses fighting with this stiff-necked people and he took that rod and what do he do? Whack! Whack! In anger, he disobeyed God. He smote that rock twice. What did God say? You won't enter the land either. Moses died. That generation died. God told Joshua, you're in charge. And what did he tell him in Joshua chapter one? Only be thou strong and very courageous, which is the exact opposite of the doubt and fear that the spies sowed in the hearts of the people. But then he told him everywhere that the sole of your foot treads that have I given you. Right. And as Joshua set out, having the same charge, the same power, the same command that Moses did, they walked and, and God said, cross this Jordan. And they crossed the Jordan. And you know what? God parted the waters there too. And they went in and you know what Jericho said? Do you remember what Rahab said? The dread of God is upon y'all. God's going to destroy us. And you know what God did? God did for Joshua exactly what he said. Right. He drove their enemies out. Defeated their enemies. And they watched victory after victory after victory after victory and mighty act of God and powerful acts of God. And then we get to Joshua chapter 13. And it appears that Joshua has stopped. Stopped. 
around these chapters here, 12, 13, 14, 15, the land is being divided to the tribes of Israel. But what did God say? There remaineth, yes, so much more. And I think about that. There's more prayers that God wants to answer. My friend, what, what, what have you stopped praying about because God hasn't answered it yet? Or what are you not praying about because you're afraid God won't answer it yet? You know what the Bible said about prayer? He said, if we ask anything in his name, he'd do it. Right. He said, if two of us agreed on earth is touching anything that we asked, it would be given to us of our Father which is in heaven. He said, concerning the work of my hands, command ye me. God told us to command his hands what to do. What are we not praying about? Because there's a whole lot more prayers God wants to answer. Sure. Then I think about this. There's a whole lot more souls God wants to save. Oh, man, is it not easy to say, hallelujah, I'm going to heaven. I'm saved. I'm not going to hell. I'm forgiven. But what an insult to the, to the Savior that we call Lord when we're willing to let other people that he suffered and bled and died for drop into hell because we're selfish. How horrible. We just celebrated Easter and talk about how we love this risen Savior. If we really loved him, wouldn't we tell the world what he did for him? Right. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, before he ascended into heaven, do you know the last thing that he said? Go tell everybody. Right. Go tell everybody what I did for him. There's more souls he wants to save. <clears throat> May I say this? There's more lives he wants to change. I've heard of the people so addicted to heroin that if you put them in rehab, they would die from the physical, chemical bond addiction in their blood. But then a preacher comes and preaches the gospel. And they walk the aisle and they get saved. And the moment they stood up, the addiction was gone. Yes. I can't do that. The doctor can't do that. Medicine can't do that. But God can do that. You don't believe that? It doesn't matter. Because God still does it. And then I think about this. There's more regions he wants to reach. I think of the, the Scottish missionary, John Patton stood up in a Presbyterian church in Scotland 150, 200 years ago, and he said, God has called me to the headhunters. And an old man in the church stood up and said, son, sit down. If you go there, they'll eat you. And John Patton said, sir, when you die, the worms will eat you. He said, I'm going. And John Patton and his wife and little baby got in a boat and set sail. When they got near the island, the captain of the boat came and said, Son, don't go. You'll die. John Patton said, Sir, I died when I left Scotland. They got into the canoe and sailed into the lagoons of the island. And it was a matter of weeks and the baby and his wife were dead because of a fever on the island. For 14 years, I believe it was, John Patton preached the gospel and nobody got saved. And then one day, he preached the gospel to a headhunter. And the power of God came down and that man got saved. The revival was so thick, headhunters on other islands were getting saved. 
today those islands identify as a Christian nation. God invaded Satan's territory. There's more regions that God wants to reach. He's able. My friend, there's more battles to fight. Don't you hate fighting the devil? But there's more victories to win. There's more families that need help. My, when Mary and I were in Dandong right across from North Korea, one day in my house, I hope you could tell by my spirit, and my friend here, he could testify the type of person I, I, I am. I, I am not the type of person that throws rocks at people, all right? But we have a job sure. to preach what God said, sure. all right? Not to hurt people, not to be, but to preach what God said. Right. One day in China, I counted, I knew 13 families in church who were either in the middle of getting a divorce, had just gotten a divorce, or were getting remarried. And I said to Mary, this just isn't right. It's just not what God said. We have a friend who was married, had two little boys. Him and his wife had a big fight in social media and they divorced. I told him, quit being an idiot and go fix things with your wife. He blocked me from being able to contact him. A year later, he wrote me and said, I'm sorry. I said, forgiven. But they were divorced. The next time I was in the States, he said, he said, Brother Josh, can I come talk to you? I said, sure. He come and talked to me. He said, would you pray God to give me my family back? I said, I'd love to pray for that. I said, but brother, you need to go get right with everybody you wronged. I said, you don't need to go correct them. I said, the Holy Spirit can convict them. But you need to go get right with who you wronged. Otherwise, God ain't going to listen to you. And we started praying. His ex-wife had a boyfriend. A week later, they broke up. We kept praying. A week or two later, him and his ex-wife were texting. We kept praying. A couple weeks later, now they've forgiven each other, and they're saying they love each other. A couple weeks later, they wanted to remarry each other. I told him, I said, now it's time to go see Brother Logan. And him and her sat with Brother Logan, received counseling. Me and Mary went back to Asia. Brother Logan remarried them to each other. God can put families back together. You know what the problem is? God's people's accepting that stuff. That's not God's plan. We don't have to be mean or hurtful or hateful. But we should try to help people. God can put families back together. May I say this? There's more wisdom to be obtained, more wounds that God wants to heal, more love that we need to show, more needs that people need met. There's more that God wants to do. There's more blessings he wants to give. There's more enemies we can conquer. There's more territory we can claim. But my friend, there's only one way this is going to be possible. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 17. God told us how to do this. Brother, could you stand up for a minute? I want you to just come right out here, and I just want you to stand right here and look at everybody. And, and you're going you're gonna to be Moses, okay? Uh-huh. 
And, and this is that rod. I mean, this is that rod Moses threw down and it became a snake, but it's not a snake now. And, um, but, amen, brother. This is, this is the rod of God. And I just want you to take this and just hold up the rod of God like Moses did in the Bible. And don't let it fall. Let's read the Bible here. In Exodus chapter 17, verse number 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men, and go, f go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Did you see that? When that rod stayed up, God's people prevailed. Right. And when that rod went down, Amalek prevailed. Do you know who Amalek is in the Bible? A type of the world, the flesh, and the devil, the enemy of God. Right. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the sword, with the edge of the sword. Do you see here that there is a teamwork that is necessary? Joshua needed Moses, but Moses needed Joshua. Let's keep reading. And the Lord said unto Moses, notice these words, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi, for he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Joshua 13, God told Joshua, hey, there's still so much more land to be possessed. But isn't it interesting that way before God told Moses, hey, write this down and tell it to Joshua. I can't help but think in my mind that God had that written down so that Joshua could know how to go pick, obtain the rest of that land. Sure. And so I have some thoughts tonight. Some thoughts that would help me, that would help you, that would help us all to obtain that land. We're all going to stand before Jesus one day. We're all going to stand before God and we are all going to give an account. And that day, it's going to be a holy time, friend. The archangels of heaven are going to snap into attention. And the pull of the world is going to be gone. And we're going to be judged by a holy God. For what sort of work we had for his glory. The first thing I think about tonight is the man of God. The man of God is very important. Ephesians chapter 4 teaches us that the men of God are a gift to the church. Whether it's the pastor, the evangelist, these are the men of God. But think about the title with me, man of God. When you boil it all down, you know what that means? He's a man who represents God. Right. He serves on behalf of God, right. but he's still just a man. I love this brother, but he'll tell you he's no different than you. He needs the same help you got. 
you know the man of God. Satan attacks the man of God. Satan attacks his family. Satan attacks and he's got problems and burdens and cares, just like all of you. And then you know what else the man of God does? He comes here to help you. And then I'm sure, I don't know, Brother, Brother Lawson didn't tell me nothing about nobody, but I'm sure there's people here, probably the majority, I don't know, who regularly contact this preacher about issues or problems or burdens or cares or stresses or situations. And like every good pastor, when you walk away, he ain't telling the next person about it. He's already got the care of the world in his own issues. And now he's got all of yours on him too. And the care of the church and the care and the stresses and the Satan all at the same time. You know what? He's holding that rod and this is what Satan's trying to do. Satan's trying to pull it down. That's hard to hold it up, isn't it? It's getting harder. Yeah. When I pull on it, <laughs> when I pull on it, how is it? it? It ain't good. It ain't easy, is it? No. no. That's what Satan wants to do. Sure. Satan's stronger than me. Satan's stronger than him. Satan's stronger than all of us. Right. You know what happens when the man of God goes out? Churches are in disarray. There's no leadership. People don't know what to do. Then they all start disagreeing. Next thing you know, church doors are shut. We'll get back to that in a second. I think about the second thing. Probably the most forgotten area of ministry, the man of God's wife, the missus. Everywhere I go, I hear pastor so-and-so, brother so-and-so, pastor so-and-so, brother so-and-so. I rarely ever hear even the name of the man of God's wife. But yet every man of God I know will tell you they wouldn't have 75% of the ministry they got without their wife. And you know what? Satan attacks her too. And her husband is away from her serving other people all the time or giving time to prayer. You know, Percy Ray told him not to get married. You know why? God told Percy Ray not to get married. God told him because when you fast and pray for 40 days, your wife won't understand why you don't want to eat dinner. The man is God's wife. She's got pressure, just natural pressure. And then Satan attacks her and the pressures of the world. And then the ladies of the church, three o'clock in the morning, call and text the man of God's wife. And she's not out gossiping about you. You know what? She's carrying that burden on her heart. You know what Satan's trying to do? He's trying to pull that rod down. And I'll guarantee you, when Satan attacks the man of God's wife, tears his heart up. You know what? That means that Satan's going after him and her at the same time. Then I think of the third thing. Missions. It's all collectively together. You see, when you go after the man of God and you get away, he can't even stand under the pressure. And then Satan's dirty. I mean, friend, if you could kill Satan, I'd have shot him a long time ago. He's going to hell one day, though. Amen. Hallelujah. But when the preacher's under that weight and he's already struggling, and then the, the man of God's under that weight, the man, the man of God's wife is under that weight, oh, that just, that's, that's just hard. You know what Satan's trying to do? He's trying to shut the church down. Yeah. You know why? 
Because what's the command of the church? To take the gospel to the whole world. Hey, fellowships and revivals, these are all good, but that's not the command of the church. Right. The command of the church is to go tell everybody else they don't got to go to hell either. Right. Amen. That's the command. Everything else is a blessing and enjoyment, but the command was to go tell the whole world. And Satan wants to stop that. You know what he wants to do? He wants to rip the rod down. Because if there's no man of God to lead the church, how are you going to know what missionary to support? How are you going to know how much to support them? Hey, who's going to lead? Everybody's going to have disagreement about it. Then I think of the fourth thing, and that's the money. What did, what did Jesus say? Know you not that I must be about my father's business? What business do you know that runs without money? You know when you buy tracks, renovate a church, you know churches still pay electric bills? Who's going to pay for God's business? Who's going to hold up the rod of God's money? You know who should? All of us. Me and you. Hey, friend, if you drop my support and every church dropped my support and I lived in a box on the side of the road, God's word still says that we are supposed to give to God. Now, I know y'all would never do that, but you understand what I'm saying. We, all of us, are to take care of God's business. Right. Now let me just stop at the middle of my message and say, you see that brother suffering? So many times the man of God is suffering and people are just watching. So many times the man of God's wife probably walks in the church. Now I'm a man, so I'm not nobody's wife. I'm just, I read the Bible. And she's probably got the weight of the world on her, wondering, what more can I do? Because Satan's trying to take her out. This ain't just this preacher. This ain't just this preacher. This is all of them. And he wants to stop missions. He wants to stop the church from funding God's work. And then the ministry. Hey, this preacher can't do it all by himself. You got sound people back there. This preacher ran the sound and did this and played the piano. He'd be one tired dude. He can't do it all by himself. Satan's going to attack them too. You know what, what they're doing when they help play the piano and sing and, and help run the, the order of the service and the deacons serve and everybody comes together and serves together? You know what they're doing? They're helping hold up that rod. Because Satan's trying to pull it down. Look at that. How's that feeling over there? A little bit better. How's that feeling over there? <laughs> now, 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 this is great. I didn't even have to say nothing yet. Now, let me just, let me just show you something real quick. Ma'am, gra- grab his arm. Grab his, just hold his arm. Don't worry about the stick. Just hold his arm. Just, just hold his arms, brother. Now, now, how you feeling, brother? A lot better. Yeah. You, you think you can hold that thing a while longer? Not a whole lot longer. You don't think so? Well, well let's, no, let's... With them, I can. With them, you can? Good, good. Now, look at that. Oh, man. Now, I can barely pull that thing down. Now, he's got some strength. Now, now, miss, is that hurting you? No? Wow. Hey, brother, 
You in pain over here? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, how about you do what the Bible said and let him sit down and hold his arm up. Might make it easier on you. Yeah, now you watch that. See what happens with this. Praise the Lord. Ministry. Helping hold up his arms. You know what the Bible said? A threefold cord is not easily broken. Hey, count with me. How many of them's up there? Well, how about that? How about that? Then I think of the sixth thing. Marriages. You know, there's three things in the Bible that God ordained. The church, the home, the government. Well, our government's infested with devils. Yes, sir. In America and in Asia. Yes. Yes, and Satan is actively trying to tear down the church uh -huh. and the home. You know what most people do when they hear of somebody having problems? Did you hear about so-and-so? You know what they should do? That brother should go to that man and say, hey, brother, can I take the Bible and show you some things? And try to help that man who's struggling in his marriage. You know what a godly lady should do? She should go grab that lady's arm. Not down him. Not throw the rod down and kick them around on the ground and send them up the road. I said, help them. Reach out their hand. Then I think of the seventh thing. I think of the members. The Bible tells us that if we're saved, we're all a part of the body of Christ. The Bible says that we are all members in particular. That means that God has put you exactly where he wants you. Now, every church has folks like this. People who feel like, I ain't important. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody thinks about me. If there's anybody here tonight that feels that way, I want to tell you something. I'm sorry you feel that way, but it just ain't true. Friend, it might be true that somebody doesn't think to say something. It might be true that it would encourage you if somebody did say something. But before God, I don't even got to ask when you're not here, this man of God's heart feels empty. Sure. He notices it. Absolutely. And I'm sure his wife does too. You know why? Because they have given their lives for you. Now, you got a pinky finger on your hand. I hope you do. Otherwise, this will be really bad if you don't. <laughs> but how often do you think about the fingernail on your pinky finger? Probably not very much. I mean, I never walk around like being like, hmm, look at that thing. <laughs> I never do that. But if you rip that thing off, my whole body would be aware of it. Sure. Friend, when you're not here, if you quit, if you leave, if you stop, that's exactly how the preacher's going to feel. That's exactly how the church, whole church is going to feel. Right. What's the purpose of this message? That Beacon Baptist Church collectively holds up that rod. 
You doing okay, brother? I'm fine. How are you, man? How are you feeling, brother? I'm doing good, man. You doing good? Hey, that rod staying up there. <laughs> I preached this in Korea at a military church, and a Marine held that thing. And afterwards, he said, I will never forget you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Brother Daniel, he don't speak any English, he's, but he went with me to a church where I preached in English, and he saw it, and he said, preach that at hope, and get that unfaithful brother to come hold the stick. <laughs> Let me show you one more thing. Go to Joshua 15. You remember how those spies, you remember how those spies went and sowed that fear and that doubt? We can't do it. They'll kill us. In Joshua 15, I want you to read verse number 8 with me. Here they're talking about the, the land being divided to Israel. And the border went up by the valley of the son of Hinnom under the south side of the Jebusite. The same as Jerusalem and the border went up to the top of the mountain that lieth before the valley of Hinnom westward, which is at the end of the valley of the giants northward. Do you see that? Do you see what's happening here? Moses was leading Israel, and he sent those spies, and they came back with their report of fear and doubt, and said, those giants will kill us. We can't go. The people believed it, suffered a 40-year judgment from God, and didn't go into the promised land. Moses and that generation died, and Joshua led them into Israel, or led them into the promised land. They conquered their enemies. And this right here in verse number 8 is land that was being divided to Israel. They conquered those very giants. They conquered the valley of the giants. My friend, God told Moses to write this in a book and to give it to Joshua. And this, if that rod stayed up, is how they could have possessed the rest of that land. This is how we can possess the land that God would have for this church this way. But when you get people in disarray and he walks off on his own, and she walks off on his own, and this man sitting here trembling, it ain't going to be long and the rod will go down. Nobody, nobody can hold that rod forever. Do you notice I asked for somebody who was strong? Somebody who had grit. Why? Because they can hold it for 20 minutes. They can hold it for 25 minutes. But eventually it burns so bad that the rod just has to go down. Thank you. Now I got to ask you a question in front of everybody real quick. Yes, sir. Will you forgive me? You're forgiven. <laughs> don't want to be bitter at me and I'm an Asian, don't know about it. I hope the message is delivered. This is how we and everybody will be able to move forward. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I love you. I pray the message will help somebody. Your will be done in every life. Search our hearts. Have thine own way.
lead, guide, and direct. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.